welcome to Crossview Radio Weekly Podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, I'm going to read to you a quote here that some of you may recognize. It says this, We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. This was, of course, a quotation from the Black Lives Matter website that was removed shortly after it was written. Uh, This statement was found uh, on their What We Believe page. BLM has as their stated goal, and I do say has instead of had, because I have not seen them, and someone could inform me if I'm mistaken on this, but I have not seen them repent over this statement anywhere or uh, say that this does not represent their views. Nowhere has BLM said it was a mistake. They just removed it. BLM has as their stated goal that they want to disrupt family structure. This means that they want to disrupt the pattern of one father, one mother, and children. In 1983, Herbert Schlossberg, author of the book Idols for Destruction, wrote the following, quote, One of the primary bulwarks against tyranny is the family, which therefore is a target of those who idolize the state, end quote. One of the greatest fights of our day is the current cultural war going on right now against the family. The culture has its crosshairs on your family. They want to dismantle it, they want to abolish it, and they want to destroy it. It will be attacked and is being attacked through the proposal that alternate family models are good and acceptable and right, like homosexuality and polyamory and a million other distortions. Or they may suggest that gender can be redefined to be whatever you want it to be. The ultimate and final reason that culture wants to destroy the family is because family comes from God. It was designed by him to be good, and culture wants to destroy anything and everything that has God's fingerprints on it. Family has God's fingerprints on it, so what do we want to do? Destroy it. Gender has God's fingerprints on it, so what are we going to do? Destroy it. Logic has God's fingerprints on it, so destroy it. Mathematics has God's fingerprints on it, so destroy it. This is why we are seeing some of the very odd proposals uh, amongst individuals saying things like uh, 2 plus 2 does not always equal 4. Why is that being attacked? What is so... Um, it seems odd, and, and the reason is because it has God's fingerprints on it. One of the ways that culture wants to destroy the family is to replace the parents. This happens subtly, but surely. One might think of welfare as one of the ways that the father is replaced by the state. Entire families right here in the United States are being supported not by their fathers, but by the state. The state provides for them. This does, of course, disintegrate the family unit and weakens it so that people have a tendency to put more trust in the state than even their own fathers. The family unit is weaker as a whole because of it. And as a pastor, I have seen the ways in which the current welfare system destroys families. I uh, get requests from our community uh, frequently uh, for financial assistance, and uh, we do have a process that we follow, um, and I am sad to report that most of the people who ask for assistance are completely 
and entirely capable of providing for themselves. Uh, I've heard people tell me repeatedly that they can't go back to work because they will lose their government benefits. I know a father who is completely able to work and provide for his family, but he chooses to sit at home and play video games all day long because his wife gets social security benefits. And if he goes back to work, then she will lose her social security benefits. When the father fails to provide for his home, he actively participates in the destruction of his own family. Second Thessalonians 3 and verse 10 says, For when even we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. But this is, of course, not the only way in which the family unit is attacked. Public school is another example of this, because here, parents are replaced by teachers. If you don't believe this, just look at this from an insider's perspective. In her book, published in 2020, Irreversible Damage, Abigail Schreier documents her conversation with one woman who is, in Schreier's words, the program coordinator for human relations, diversity, and equity for Los Angeles Unified School District, the second largest school district in the U.S. with more than 600,000 students attending more than 1,200 schools. Listen to what Schreier writes about this. She says, quote, um, or or this is the individual that she's um, interviewing, quote, the role of schools has changed, she told me over the phone. Technically, we are an educational institution, right? Reading, writing, and arithmetic. Technically, that's what we are. That seemed reassuring. But schools have expanded to be the hub for a lot more social services and looking more holistically, emotionally at what's going on with children, she informed me. Looking at schools as a source of social justice, our role continues to expand. The outreach now is profound. The array of services and support California Public Schools offers students is indeed astonishing. Three meals a day, backpacks full of clothing, free medical and dental services on campus. Public schools that provide these services might have good reason to assume that they act in loco parentis, even with regard to matters that directly contravene the wishes and values of the actual parents. I think society looks to schools because we have access to children to be able to address a lot of social issues. School violence and school shootings are two examples she gave me. Not that we're replacing family, but things that used to be the exclusive domain of family or society, we're now asking schools to look at these a little more intentionally, end quote. And uh, here is an example of things that used to be the exclusive domain of family that the school is trying to hijack. Again, from Schreier's book, she tells us how the California Teachers Association in 2019 voted on a policy so that students could get gender hormone treatments. Schreier writes, This was a proposal to allow trans-identified minor students to leave campus during school hours to obtain gender hormone treatments without parental permission. Then she goes on to say this, The rationale for the new policy was simple. California state law already allowed cis minors to leave school to receive hormones, that is birth control, without the barrier of parental permission. Schreier goes on to explain that this is not just in California and not just one teacher's union. The school is designed to replace the parents. Going back to Schlossberg, we read this. He says, quote, For educators and school reformers, the family was an obstacle to what they thought was social progress, and many of them wanted the state to take over the role of family in raising children, end quote. Then he goes on 
and uh, says this. He says, Christopher Jenks is unhappy that the school is unable to overcome the influence of the family in resisting egalitarian doctrine. He thinks the answer may lie in transforming the schools so that they function like families. And finally, Schlossberg says this. All this means that the state becomes the enforcer of virtue in the family. It protects children against their parents, teaching the citizens that their real security is to be found instead in government bureaucrats. This repeats the assumption behind the Nazi practice of inducing children to report the infractions of their parents to the state. The state is a higher loyalty than the family. We are approaching the excesses of the Swedish model in which the Directorate of Social Affairs may issue orders to remove any child, excuse me, any child from its parent to be reared whatever the directorate sees fit. Officials have the power to enter any home at will in order to investigate conditions. They may order the police to remove children forcibly and without court order. In 1968, this was done to 21,000 children. These are not the actions of lunatics, but rather follow logically from the idea that the state is lord of all and can tolerate no rivals. It, too, is a jealous god. When such a conception rules, the family is, as Daniel Berrigan put it, a sitting duck for the state. Now, as a reminder, this is all consistent with BLM's stated purpose, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. What BLM believes is not good. It is actually very, very bad. Let me trace this theme out a little bit further in our own culture. In 1970, Shulamith Firestone wrote the book, The Dialectic of Sex, The Case for Feminist Revolution. In that book, she writes the following, quote, And just as the end goal of socialist revolution was not only the elimination of the economic class privilege, but of the economic class distinction itself, so the end goal of feminist revolution must be unlike that of the first feminist movement, not just the elimination of male privilege, but of the sex distinction itself. Genital differences between human beings would no longer matter culturally, end quote. She's obviously speaking in very Marxist terms. She references the elimination of uh, economic class privilege and carries that over into her feminism. Then just a few sentences further down the page, she gives the conclusion of her thought. She says, quote, the tyranny of the biological family would be broken, end quote. She's not the only thinker making this conclusion. In his book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Carl Truman makes some connections between Marxist thought and the abolition of the family. Uh, For instance, commenting on Wilhelm Reich, he says, he quotes and says, the traditional patriarchal family is a unit of oppression. Commenting on Percy Shelley, he says, at the heart of this current commercial oppression that exists in the world is the institution of marriage, undergirded by religious teaching and enforced by religious institutions. Commenting on William Godwin, he says, In Godwin's proposed utopia, no man would be joined exclusively to one woman, but all would share in each other in one sexual community. And then he goes on and says this, Monogamous, chaste marriage is a social construct that runs against the grain of natural human instincts. Therefore, it serves rather to promote problems rather than to solve them. Indeed, it is worse than that. It actually creates the problems that that it then purports to solve. Therefore, it should be abolished. Then, commenting on Herbert Marcuse, uh, Truman says this, 
Uh, He says, sex focused on procreation and family is the repressive weapon of bourgeois capitalist society, and free love and untrammeled sexual experimentation are a central part of the revolutionary liberation of society. Then Truman says this about transgenderism. Keep in mind here that transgenderism is one of the ways in which the family unit is attacked. Uh, note what Truman says. He says perhaps the most social or perhaps the most significant social aspect of transgenderism is the way it provides the latest and most potent reason for the dissolution of the traditional family. Finally, he connects the destruction of the family to left-wing politics. Truman says this connection between the family and political oppression is of lasting significance for left-wing politics. The dismantling and abolition of the nuclear family are essential if political liberation is to be achieved. Now, all of this quoting of authors uh, and all of this is to make the point that many cultural Marxist thinkers have the shared goal of dissolving the family unit. And, and my point in sharing all these is to say that this is not just some random, unintentional thing when, when we read about uh, BLM having this as their goal. This is actually something that has been percolating for quite some time and is very consistent with Marxist thought. Uh, take, take And just, just to solidify this point a little bit uh, further, take into account the fact that uh, the BLM co-founder, uh, Patrice Cullors, said this, quote, she says, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. We are trained Marxists, end quote. Now, put that together with our opening quotation from the former uh, BLM uh, page on their website, this totally makes sense now. The, the reason that the mission of BLM focuses in part on destroying the family, or in their words, disrupting the family, is because they are coming at these issues from a decidedly Marxist outlook that is compatible with undermining the family unit. Here's the issue with BLM. You can't separate it from the values that shaped it. To support the modern social justice movement is to support the destruction of the family unit. Think long and hard about which team you're on. Either you're for Christ or you're against him. And you can't be for him if you're for the destruction of the family unit that he created and endorsed. You can't separate social justice from the principles that created it. The Trojan horse of the modern social just movement smuggles in ideologies bent on undermining the biblical family. I'm concerned that in our strategy to reach the world, we have embraced what one of my brothers in Christ has called a faux graciousness. In an attempt to be kind, we have become silent or worse, affirming. Sexual deviants don't need affirmation, they need truth. Yes, they do need it delivered in love, but they need it nonetheless. And your eagerness, or lack thereof, to engage today's sexual perversions is evidence of how much you love or don't love the family. Do you love God's design for the family? Then you will point all those who attack it to the mercy and grace available in Jesus Christ at the cross. And this is what our society needs, Jesus Christ. We need to recognize what is happening in front of our very eyes 
and we need to run to the solution available through repentance and faith in Christ. He is sufficient. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com. Thank you.